Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in, in my God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he is mighty, hath done me this great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, and he hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away sent empty away. And he hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. For he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with about three months and turned, returned to her house. I have got to bring this down a little bit. Okay. Too much echo for me. Is it still recording? Barely, but I can turn it up. All right. So we want to look at this. This is Mary's prayer. And I love, the, I love her prayer because it starts with a lot of praise to God this how many times for us do we think of prayer as just us giving God our list of requests you know that is not prayer when you read all the prayers in the Bible these individuals always praised God first there was confession adoration to God they were thankful for God and then they would decide to give him requests and too often for many Christians and myself at times our prayer times become Give me. (laughs) You know, God, give me, give me, give me, give me. And, you know, we wonder why we don't want to spend much time in prayer. We we have the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And one of the things I've noticed about our time of prayer, we pray for an hour once a month for the lost. We prayed for an hour yesterday. And the comment yesterday when I got done with it, everybody goes, has it been an hour? Okay. Has it really been an hour? the thing about it is if you're praising God for the first part of your prayer that time goes by really quick we look at Mary's prayer here remember she has gone to see Elizabeth Gabriel has come and told her you're pregnant she went Elizabeth was pregnant I really believe she went to see is what this angel told me really true is my cousin Elizabeth who's really old uh, I like the way they say well stricken in years (laughs) They don't tell us how old she is. And she's going, is Elizabeth really pregnant? I think that was for her to go get her, her faith. And she sees Elizabeth pregnant and in her sixth month. And so we see her, and Mary's answer to this is, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I love this. My spirit. Not just my voice, not just my words get down to your innermost being when it's time to worship God and worship him from deep down you know many times we go through worship times and it's just okay we're going to sing some songs and I and I constantly ask us all the time are we thinking about the words we're singing are we really thinking about we sang Jehovah Jireh God my provider his grace is sufficient for me we may be coming up to a very quick time where his grace needs to be sufficient 
for what we're going to go because there could be some major changes coming in here that says we can't meet for church, we can't do all these things from a federal decree, not a state decree. We need to be ready. Are we ready to say, God, you are sufficient? You know, God is always there, always providing, and we need to look to what he is providing. You know, and this is something that is great. Even in the hardest times, God is doing something good. Romans 8.28 is never torn out of the Bible just because bad things are happening. You know, uh, you know and this is a wonderful story. I uh, can't remember what missionary I was reading about, but his wife kept reminding him. Every time he'd complain about hard times, he'd go, God has not taken Romans 8.28 out of the Bible. If you've read The Hiding Place, uh, uh, Corey is complaining about the lice in the, in the barracks, and, and her daughter, uh, daughter, sister Betsy says, well, you know, the good thing is the guards don't come into this barracks. All right. And what would happen when the guards came in? Not only would they take their Bible and everything, but they would molest the women when they went into their barracks so that they would not come into the barracks. So the women were safe. All they had to do was put up with some lice. You know, what is it that we look at? Do we look at things that say, God, you have not done anything good. My whole life is miserable. And God says, I am still at work. Paul said his light afflictions were nothing compared to heaven. And if you know Paul's life, his light afflictions were none of us want to go through it. All right. So here Mary is saying God has looked on her. And she's blessing him for this thing. And you notice it says, I will rejoice in God my Savior. Now you realize that she's actually worshiping her son in her womb. <laughs> It's not even been really developed yet. She's thinking of God who delivered them from Egypt, who delivered them from the, into the promised land and all these things. But, you know, do we really recognize that God is not just our Savior for heaven? He's our Savior for everything we walk through. He is our defender. He is our protection. How will that change your way of looking at life when you know that God is in charge and he has a plan for everything? Do you truly believe this? As we're preparing for what could be a really interesting next four years, are we really ready to say, God, you are my sufficiency. You are my deliverer. I'm going to tell you right now, I am praying for Tuesday because there's going to be riots no matter what happens. No matter what happens, there's going to be fringe people on both sides that are going to riot. We've already had riots for months. Be prepared. Put your heart and trust in Jesus. He is in control no matter what happens. And be able to say Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. When everything seems to be going bad, Romans 8, 28 is still in the Bible for all things work together for good for those who, are called, who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's still in the Bible. Nobody's going to rip it out. God is not going to black it out. He says, whoop, I didn't mean to put that verse in the Bible. It's there and it's there for a reason. And Mary says, I rejoice. She just saw that what the angel told her is true. Now she can believe in the rest of the message. And then she goes on to say, the spirit... Uh, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, and behold, from henceforth generations shall call me blessed. 
a 14-year-old girl saying, God has picked me. Have you ever been picked by God to do something and wondered why? As you're going teaching, singing, witnessing, uh, talking to somebody, helping somebody, and you go, God, why would it be me? Why do I get this privilege? Mary looks at this and says, I am going to give birth to the Messiah. We don't realize what all that meant to them, but this was the dream of every girl in, in the Lion of Judah, was to give birth to the Messiah, the, the one who was going to rule Israel and the world through, from Jerusalem. This is a big deal, and she says, everybody's going to remember her. Now, we have groups like the Catholic that raised Mary way, way too high. And we got a lot of Protestant groups that kind of totally ignore Mary completely. Now, she had a great privilege. She gave birth to the Messiah, and she had to raise him. Now, now I don't know that I would really want to have the job that Joseph and Mary had of raising God's son. Now, that had to have been quite a challenge for them. And I thought, am I doing things right? Am I, is what we're doing right? Are we doing this right? This is, this is God's son we're raising. We're raising the king of kings, the one who's going to reign over everything. It had to be nerve-wracking. And she says, people are going to remember her. Now, I don't want to put her on the pedestal that, you know, that, that she's put on by the Catholics and people praying to her. She's not that special. But God saw something in her and says, this is somebody who's special that can be trusted to raise Jesus. And I don't know what it would have been like you know, to raise a perfect child. Uh, I feel sorry for all of his brothers and sisters. You know, uh, you know, we never had these problems with Jesus. Why can't you be more like Jesus? I kind of feel sorry for all of them because you know mom and dad did that because we've done it with our kids. You know, why can't you be more like your your brother or sister, I am sure that they pointed out, you're, you're nothing like Jesus. Yeah, he's just such a perfect, you know, perfect kid. And I know they said it very sarcastically because they did not believe that he was God in, God in the flesh until after his resurrection. So they're just feeling like, oh, yeah, you know, goody two-shoes thinks he's better than all of us. Now, he didn't have it easy in his family even. His brothers didn't believe who he was. Probably didn't believe that he was virgin-born if it was even talked about. They're just going, yeah, this older brother, you know, always good, always doing what's right. You can't talk him into telling a lie. He won't even tell a lie to protect us. He won't, he won't do any of these things. He won't go out and do bad things. Because he did everything right. And she says, they, I will be remembered for generations. And we still remember her. Her story is in the scriptures that she is there and being remembered. He, it says, For he that is mighty hath done for me great things, and holy is his name. Do you recognize that God does great things for you? You know, I really want us to really think about this. When we get up in the morning and we take our breath in the morning that we're conscious of, that's a gift. Everything he does for us is a gift of grace because we don't deserve anything from him even though we are saved and in Jesus Christ we still don't deserve anything from him 
It's all a gift of grace, and he is holy. We need to be so thankful for God. We should be able to spend an hour in prayer just being thankful to him. Not even, not even requesting anything, just thankful for all that he has done, all that he will do. She's saying, you are holy. His mercy is on them that fear him. Mercy. Do you realize what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. God has mercy on all of humanity. Because if he gave all of humanity what they deserve, they'd be dead. Now, I've, I've witnessed to people and go, you know what, I don't want anything from God. I just want what I deserve. And I go, no, you don't. You, know, you don't want what you deserve because you would be in hell right now if you got what you deserved. We need to keep our mind and focus on God's grace, his mercy. He loves us so much that Jesus came and lived a perfect life to die on a cross for our sins. And people will say, well, you know, who put him on the cross? Ultimately, the Father put him on the cross. He knew that the only way that we could be forgiven of our sins was for Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus told Pilate that much. When Pilate said, you know, I had the power to, to uh, condemn or keep you, and he goes, you'd have no power unless it was given you. In other words, if the, if the Father did not want me to die, it doesn't matter what you want to do, Pilate, I would not die. The Father wants me to be dead. It doesn't matter what you want to do, Pilate, I'm going to die. Now, he didn't say that part, but, you know, we do understand that's what he was saying. You'd have no power except what's given to you. We need to keep that in mind in our life. What is it that God has empowered in our country? What power has he given us in our jobs, our families, our day-to-day -day life? Everything that happens to us is because God allows it to happen. Now, we have a degree of free will that we can react or not react in certain ways, but God is the one who's in control. He is the one that puts everything in its path for us. The more we recognize that God is in control, the easier life is getting. I love it when I just walk through life with my eyes on God and say, God, you're in charge. I'm just going to go through this. You know, and keep your eyes on him. And life is easy when you keep your eyes on him because he'll walk you right down. The, he's the good shepherd walking you right down the paths of darkness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When everything looks dark, keep your eyes on him. Follow him on his path and he will follow. He will take you where he wants you to be. We look at this and he says, By his, uh, he has shown strength of his arms. He has scattered the proud the imagination of their hearts. You know, God scatters those who are proud eventually. Everybody eventually gets what they deserve. Now, this is hard for us sometimes when we look. David even wrote, why do the heathen rage and the, and the people have, have vain imaginations? And his complaint in that whole psalm was, God, the wicked are getting away with everything. Now, he gets to the end of it and he realizes, no, God, you're still in charge. Everybody will always pay eventually for their evil. Unless they come to Christ and then Christ paid for it. But everybody always will stand before God at some point, either on their knees 
and accepting Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, or they will stand at the white throne judgment and God will say, guilty. You rejected my son, you're going to spend eternity in hell. At the very least, they get judged then. But you know, if you talk to some of these people that you think are really off, they've got everything, really don't. You talk to them, you'll learn this. And I've talked to a handful. But if you don't believe me about talking to them, just read your newspapers. How many of them are died from a drug overdose because they're still looking for something? They're checking themselves into dr uh, alcohol drug rehab because they're addicted to the drugs and alcohol because they have not got the joy that they were trying to find. You know, I have met many people that have climbed to the top of the corporate ladder and realized, oh, I sacrificed everything and I have nothing and I'm still not happy. And in that case, they've usually sacrificed their family and friends for a job. They get to the top and realize, this didn't fulfill me. Why doesn't it fulfill? Ecclesiastes tells us that. Solomon says that nothing will fill the gap that God has for you. And we have all experienced trying to fill that with something in our life. Sometimes even after we get saved, we try to fill it with something other than God. God is in us. He is our keeper. He is our savior. He is our deliverer. He is our fortress. He is our protection. We just need to focus on him and say, God, you are everything. You know, when I tell this to some often, how big is your God? How powerful is your God? What you believe about God is how you're going to live. If you believe that God has a plan that all things work together for good, you don't panic when bad things happen. If you believe that God loves you, you don't panic when things seem to be out of control. If you believe that God is your protector, you don't panic when things seem to be hard. If you believe that God loves you and wants to provide for you, you don't panic when it's hard to find something, you know, when it looks like you're not going to have enough to meet your needs. The, you know, this is very important. Your reactions show what you believe about God. Just I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying look at your life. How do you react to the events in your life will tell you what you believe about God. If I focus on him and I just stay steady... I'm saying, God, you're in charge. Does that mean I don't go out and work, you know, don't go out and work because God's going to provide all my needs? No, God says I'm to go out and work. I'm to do, I am to go out and do my part and God will meet my needs. He doesn't say, all right, I'm going to meet your needs, so just sit down and do nothing all day long. Matter of fact, we're told in the New Testament, he that doesn't work doesn't eat. All right, so God says, go out and do, but don't worry. Go out and harvest the, Glean the fields. You don't have any fields because you're poor. Go out and glean the field as Ruth had to do. You know, what does God tell us to do? We go out and do it. Ultimately, I'm the one who's going to meet your need. And this is so important. His strength. His strength is so much better than your strength. If you try to do things your way, God's going to say, okay, you go ahead and do it your way. And when we fall on our face... <laughs> Not if, but when God to say, okay, are you ready to come back to me? Are you ready to come back? And we say, no, I'm going to keep trying to do this. God will say, okay, go ahead and keep falling on your face. And he's right there. The good news is he's right there when we turn to him. Believe me, I've done this myself. I, I fought with God for six years on a particular issue. 
falling on my face, falling on my face, falling on my face. I finally said, give, I, I give up, and God said, about time. Now, don't fight with God for six years. Don't fight with him for months. I would recommend don't fight with him for a day or an hour. I know we're going to, but don't. It's much better just to surrender to God and say, God, I am yours. I'm going to take what you want. Lead me. A good way to wake up every morning is just say, God, what do you have in store for me? Help me see what it is. And God will open doors. He'll open people for you to talk to. He'll provide for you in ways that you will just be blown out of your minds with and you see all that God can do for you. I wish I lived that way every day and I don't. But you know, the days that I have done that, it's been wonderful to see God work, to see what God has in usually what we think he does things his way and it's not our way he says you put down the mighty from from their seats and exalted them of low degrees she says you bring down the mighty are the uh, princes and kings from their thrones and you raise up people God is not impressed with titles he's not impressed with positions he's not impressed with what you do he says I have a plan for you and you know what? When we stand before Christ at the Bema Seat of Christ as Christians, what is going to come out of that fire when he puts it in is what we, he has done through us. All of our works are going to burn up. All the things I did in my flesh are going to burn up. They might even have been great things by human standards. And God is going to say, well, that's gone. Wood, hay, and stubble. You know, wood is pretty substantial. We build nice things out of wood, and God says, those of your works are going to burn up. He's looking for the gold and silver and precious stones that he has done through us. He brings down those who have high thoughts of themselves, and he raises up the, the, the low. One of the things I've been amazed over the years of, in churches is watching who God uses to do things. You know, you're getting ready to do a ministry, and God raises up somebody, and you're going, God, that person is going to be the one that's going to do this? And they look to God, and God strengthens them, and they do great things. And even for those of us who are being used, if we really look at our life, we're going, God, you're using me? You're using me to do this? Look at your life and go, are you amazed that God uses you at all? You should be. I am amazed that God uses me at all. With all my problems, he still uses me. And it's an amazing thing. He exalts and he humbles. If you want to get proud and, and arrogant thinking you're doing something, God will put you on your face real quick. He will make sure that you understand that it's him doing all of this. And then she goes, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now this is kind of an interesting statement because she's not just talking about food. She says, he is taken and he fills or satiates us with good things. How much of our life is spent in search of things that do not fill us? Not just in food, but just activities. I, you know, for early part in my marriage, I, I chased after workaholism. I was going to be the top dog in the, in the business and, and I and never, never got there. I kept making good things. I was a good manager and I ran good stores and I got to be a training manager and I got to be all these different things, but nothing ever was enough. Coming back to God, God is enough. 
we need to be careful. What are we chasing? He said, rich are given empty is what it really means. Empty or vain things. We keep seeking. We think we've got lots and lots of stuff. We think we've got lots of fame. We think we've got lots of whatever. And God says it's just empty. Just empty. So we look at this is so beautiful as she goes through this he helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy Israel never deserved anything they got why did they get blessed very simply God made a promise to Abraham he says I have chosen you and your people are going to be, your descendants are going to be blessed that's a great promise Abraham it doesn't matter what your kids do but they're going to be blessed now, that doesn't mean they went through life easy with no problems. They've gone into captivity several times. They've been under the yoke of a bondage for their disobedience, but they have never been totally destroyed. And God says, they're people. Your people, Abraham, are going to be blessed. And those who bless them will be blessed. Those who curse them will be cursed. And we see this over and over. Is we need to bless Israel. Not because they're always right, because oftentimes they're not right. They, they're just as bad as anybody else, but they're God's people. And we bless them. Doesn't necessarily mean to say, okay, everything you're doing is good. That's not necessarily blessing, but we don't go against them. We can say they need to correct them. But you know, that's how God deals with us. Not everything that we do is, is right. But God says, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to help you walk, but I'm never going to curse my children. Now, he may let lots of consequences come our way. This is the one thing, and I love this word consequence, because so many people in the Christian walk think, well, if I become a Christian, everything is going to be good. Well, you know what? On one side, I will agree with that statement. My life has been good overall. Has everything been good in my life? No. There's been a lot of trials. There's been a lot of tribulation. There's been a lot of problems. But you know what? When we look to God, it all is good. And he has a plan. So in one sense, I'm going to say, yes, turn to God and everything becomes good. But it's going to be a hard walk getting there. He's going to walk us through the shadow of the valley of death. He's going to, he's going to set our table in the presence of our enemy. Now, I don't know what that means to most of you, but if anybody's been at war they know what it means to try to be eating in the middle of a battlefield. Usually they're little K rations, or C rations, uh, you know, in the middle of a battle. And God says, I've got you protected. And not only that, he says, I'm going to create a banquet <laughs> in the middle, in the midst of your enemies. What kind of peace can we have when we follow God? Depends on you. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to trust in him and what he does? Then she goes on to say he has helped his servants. He, he spoke to the father Abraham and to his seed forever. And then it says she abode there for three more months, right up until Elizabeth's ninth month, because she went there on Elizabeth's sixth month. Now, I kind of wonder if maybe Elizabeth had the baby before she left, but we don't get the baby until after Mary leaves. But she goes and goes back home and heads back. And remember, this trip back to home is going to be another two to three weeks to go back home after her visit with Mary. And can you, and again, I'm going to bring out, 
We talked about her going a couple weeks ago. Can you imagine being Mary, uh, Mary's father and mother, or even Joseph, sending his bride, a future bride, or their, daughter, their little girl, 14 years old, on a trip that's going to be gone, take two to three weeks to go? I mean, we would have a hard enough trouble putting them on an airplane to be picked up at the other end of the airplane ride. You know, and she was gone on a caravan. Caravans got attacked. Caravans got robbed. You know, all kinds of things could have happened to her for this trip. And they just put her in a caravan so that she could go visit Elizabeth. And now she's got to make that trip back. You know, we think of travel as fairly safe in our day and age. It wasn't very safe back then. People didn't travel unless they had to very often. So this is what's going on. The faith that Mary had, the trust that she had, the trust that her parents had. You know, somebody believed, that, believed that this, this vision that she had gotten. And she leaves and she's going to come back three months pregnant. Now, I don't know if she's going to show it three months at this point you know, or not, but she's coming back three months pregnant when she comes back. She leaves with just the angel telling her that she's going to have a child. She's going to come back with some of the signs starting to show. And Luke doesn't really talk about it, but Joseph is going to have a hard time with this you know, uh, whole idea, as any other uh, potential husband would have. You know, my, my, my fiance is pregnant, and we haven't slept together, so it's not my child. You know, and he had to be told by an angel what was going on, because he had, str he had to struggle with this. So for today, I really want us to think about is our focus on, is our focus on God? Are we looking at him for everything that he is and that he is going to do? Because he is all that we have. And I'm going to challenge you, if your focus hasn't been on God, get it on him. Really purpose to put your focus on him and your trust in his word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. If your trust is on your thinking, it's going to fail. Always. Always will fail. We need to put our trust in what God says. Even when it doesn't make any sense, put your trust in God's For how much you love and care for us. We ask that you go before us. Lord, we ask you to help us put our faith and trust in you completely. Lord, for anybody that doesn't know you that may be listening, that today they will recognize that they're a sinner in need of your salvation. And that they will confess, Lord, I am a sinner. I need the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Come into my heart and make me your child. And then go forward from there and seek you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23 we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us, so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? 
Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.